Alexa, play the Fighting Irish Faithful podcast. Playing Fighting Irish Faithful. This is the final episode of the Fighting Irish Faithful podcast for the 2020 Notre Dame football season. Thank you everyone for joining me for this, the last episode of 2020, even though it's 2021 and it's getting closer to February. But today we are going to wrap up the season uh, a little late, better late than never. We're going to discuss and prove how Marcus Freeman's hire is the best possible hire for Notre Dame as their new defensive coordinator. We're going to explore the 2021 quarterback situation. We are going to put Tommy Reese under the microscope and determine whether or not he should keep his job at offensive coordinator. And we're going to give you some final farewells as we uh, head into the sunset here for this season, uh, only to come back uh, in the spring. So here we go. Strap it in one more time, everyone. Pour yourself a drink. Let's go, Irish. Three wide receivers right. They're going to go for two. Back to throw. Walks, looks, looks, looks. Has the time. Lost the ball. The pass is spin it down. It's spin it down by Dolson throws. Open receiver in the end zone. Touchdown. Notre Dame. Somehow, the Irish did it. Out of the pack. 30, 35. Goodbye, baby. At the 50, the 40, the 30, the 20, the 10. Fire, fire, rocket, touchdown. Irish. Zimbakowski looking for a block. Touch to the right to the 40. Gets a block. Gets to the 45. 50. Up to the 45. 40. 30. One minute to beat. 20. 15. 10. He's done to the 5. Touchdown, Irish. What is going on? Fighting Irish faithful. Thank you, everyone, for joining me. This is the last episode of the 2020 season. Thank you very much. Uh, first, real quick, let's get the social media one more time. On Twitter, faithful underscore Irish. And on Gmail, fightingirishfaithful at gmail.com. YouTube, Fighting Irish Faithful. Uh, anywhere on Spotify, Google Play, any of your podcast sources, you can find me there. Thank you, everyone, for joining me. It is, I can't believe this is episode 25. It has been quite the season, quite the journey for me, the uh, breakout year uh, for me as a podcaster. And thank you, everyone, for joining me. Since this is the last episode I'm going to do for this season, and we're going to take a break after this uh, until the spring game. Uh, if it is in the spring. <laughs> but we went with a really good scotch. We went with a Lafroig. Isla Single Malt Scotch Whiskey, a 10-year cask strength uh, with a 116 proof. So we're going to feel real good today as we uh, ride this sucker out into the sunset. Uh, We just blew up the Death Star, and we're in the Millennium Falcon heading back to the Rebel base to regroup with the troops. So uh, got a lot of stuff going on my plate right now with family with finances, with uh, getting back to the gym and some other personal goals. So uh, the podcast will be put on pause. There's plenty of other people you can listen to, but uh, I'm going to compartmentalize future podcasting to just 
the football season uh, and leave part of this uh, rest of the year available for other things in my life. So thank you, everyone, and let's get into it. So Notre Dame finishes the year uh, with the loss to Alabama uh, going 10-2, and and Brian Kelly finishes his 11th season with a .833 win percentage. We end up 5th in the AP and 10th in Sagarin. So not too shabby. And if you really look at the last four years from Kelly, 2020 back to 2017, it really has been remarkable. And going at least 10 wins every year really is a good thing. Notre Dame fans, please feel good about this. I know, you know, I bitch here about BCS games and not winning the big game and not winning the title and that sort of thing. And, And that is still the standard of this podcast. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, I can be grateful and thankful for the consistency of at least 10 games. It's not good enough still, but it is a noticeable improvement and, you know, we can always get better. So I will take that for what it is. First thing I want to talk about, everyone, is the defense. So Marcus Freeman has been hired and it's going to be a really, really good year next year. I feel really confident moving into next season. But before we break down Marcus Freeman, if you recall from last week's podcast, I very, very quickly identified that on paper, Cincinnati's defense scored better in each category as far as final ranking versus Clark Lee this season. Go back to last week's episode and I score Marcus Freeman versus Clark Lee of 2020 and he wins. But I wanted to look at Clark Lee relative to his other two seasons that he coached and also compare to all other defensive coordinators how they performed in the Brian Kelly era. Therefore, same old, same old, you know, looking at how does Notre Dame finish in scoring defense, ranked in total defense, rushing defense, third down defense, etc., rank them relative to everyone else in college football, and then add up those rankings and you get a score. Real quick recap, it's no surprise that Brian Van Gorder was the worst coordinator Kelly's ever had. He takes the last three spots. Then surprisingly, Bob Diaco from the 2010, 11, and 13 seasons are the next three worst. Then comes Mike Elko, who was a noticeable improvement over Van Gorder, so yay. Um, And then Clark Lee, Bob Diaco, Clark Lee, and then Clark Lee. So Clark Lee's best year was last year with a score of 208. This season, though, 2019, Clark Lee, 231. The high points for the 10-2 season with a strength of schedule of 51, scoring defense finished 14th, total defense 25th, rushing defense 16th, third down defense 11th pass defense was certainly a weakness that was identified clearly in the in clemson 2 and alabama granted alabama were facing a heisman trophy winner but still nonetheless notre dame's passing defense was ranked 61st which is interesting because the previous year it was third so go figure uh it's hard to really put that into perspective but We had less sacks. Our turnover margin was not as good. We let other teams score more points. Let's just put it that way. So that is how the season worked out for Clark Lee this year. 
as part of the Notre Dame family that he is. I think he left the university on good terms. We wish him luck at his next spot in Vanderbilt. But moving forward to the future, Marcus Freeman, uh, already hired, already clearly making a positive impact. In recent uh, news this week, Houston Griffith will be returning to Notre Dame. Uh, Last week I said he was entering the transfer portal, and he did, but he decided to make a U-turn, return back to South Bend, and I think Marcus Freeman had some stuff to do with that. This past season he had 14 tackles in 2020. Uh, He was a highly rated recruit in the 2018 class. He is from Chicago originally, so he's a Midwest guy, Um, and his last two years of high school, he was actually at IMG Academy in Florida, so uh, that was new news for me to learn, so that just shows his level of uh, skill and experience to go to that prestigious high school. He's going to be joining the likes of Kyle Hamilton and DJ Brown in the backfield, looks like, next season. In addition, Marcus Freeman is having other positive impacts in the recruiting area. Ryan Barnes, a recent quarterback, cornerback, excuse me, who's going to be who's a freshman recruit who just signed this uh, past week, and he's going to join other freshmen, Philip Riley and Justin Walters as well. Ryan Barnes is out of Maryland, so welcome, sir, to the Notre Dame faithful. And then other news this week, Tyson Ford, huge, huge recruit, not for this next season, but for 2022, a four-star defensive lineman, uh, saw some highlights of this guy. He, he's ready to tear it up. So best of luck to him and his senior season coming up in the fall and uh, 2022 with this gentleman should be excellent. The common theme you keep hearing is that Marcus Freeman is bringing high energy is bringing passion, being bring, already diving into what it uh, his his level of uh, mentality for the defense. I'm not sure if he's a sideline guy or up in the booth kind of guy. That really doesn't matter to me. But it based on this energy and and the kind of uh, intensity he's bringing, it would not surprise me if in the summer, in the spring, he's the kind of coach that gets in there with his defensive guys really bonds with them and he's you know doing push-ups with them flipping tires in the parking lot getting involved in pull-up competitions whatever i'm sure he's not going to put on pads and you know do some sort of rodeo drill or something but marcus freeman is bringing a level of intensity to the defense and it's certainly a position that must bring intensity every time every down every play So Marcus Freeman, compared to Clark Lee, just based on numbers alone, last season has done better. One thing also to think about, Marcus Freeman from Cincinnati, Cincinnati is not uh, in one of the Power 5 conferences. Their recruiting is going to be lower. Over the past four years, starting this year and going backwards, Cincinnati's recruiting has gone to 41 66, 49, and 63 for an average ranking of 54.75. Now he's at Notre Dame, where the last previous four years were 13.25. Clearly that's going to change on National Signing Day for 2021. But we're now moving Marcus Freeman into the Notre Dame family, into a program that has more talent, and the stakes are higher, the facilities are better, And the pressure is higher as well. 
but I think he can deliver it. I really hope he can and really uh, be a molder of men. So Notre Dame did a very, very fine job of identifying Marcus Freeman relative to all the other coaches that were available to take over for Clark Lee. What I did to quantify how great of a hire this is, I looked at all the other, I would call well-known other programs, including Notre Dame. I looked at 14 schools, Clemson, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, San Diego State, Coastal Carolina, Texas A&M, Iowa State, Liberty, Oklahoma, BYU, Alabama, Northwestern, Georgia, and Ohio State. These were based off of teams that A, either had really good records, B, won their bowl game, or C, just kind of has sort of an it factor this year. Um, so And also put up some decent numbers in the important defensive categories. What are the important defensive categories? Scoring defense, total defense, and rushing defense. The national champion, now that we've adjusted those for Alabama, national champions scoring defense is 8.7, total defense 10.4, rushing defense 12.2 ranking and i didn't look at schools like tulane or buffalo or some of these other schools that are way down there i realize coastal carolina are and liberty kind of fall into that boat maybe even byu you could argue but those schools had really good records and also played up to a level that i would consider good and quite frankly this is my podcast and my analysis so you're all going to listen to it but looking at these other schools and looking at their defensive coordinators and i scored all the defensive stats for all these schools and came up with the following let's start at the bottom of all these schools ohio state they were the worst in defense out of all 14 with a total score of 436 some of the notable reasons they were 122nd in the country there's about 130 teams but they were 122nd in passing defense. They were 76th in tackles for loss. They were 59th in total defense, and they were 43rd in scoring defense. This is one of the reasons why I was shocked that Ohio State somehow beat Clemson in the playoffs. I don't know how they did that. I haven't analyzed that game. not going to, but this just illustrates um, Ohio State and how their defense really screwed the pooch for them. Their offense was decent, but their defense, no way. Georgia, next, surprisingly, a score of 375, then Northwestern, then Alabama, no surprise, but with a high-powered offense and a strength of schedule of third, uh, they ended up winning the title anyway. But then goes BYU, Oklahoma, then Liberty, Iowa State, then Texas A&M, shout out to Mike Elko there, then Coastal Carolina, then San Diego State, then Notre Dame. Notre Dame gets the bronze medal, silver medal, Marcus Freeman at Cincinnati, and number one, of course, Brett Venables at Clemson. Clemson with a score of 135. Clemson was fifth in sacks per game. They were third in tackles for loss. They were 15th in total defense. 15th in rushing defense, 10th in third down defense, and 18th in scoring defense. Marcus Freeman, however, hired by Notre Dame, Cincinnati had a score of 177, 8th in scoring defense, on par with national champion average. Total defense, 13th, a little higher than national champion average of 10.4, 13th in rushing defense, just a shot over 
12.2 for the national champion and 22nd in third down defense top 25 in the top four categories of defense definitely definitely a good thing if you just looked at those four stats the score is 56 if you compare those four stats in a vacuum to clemson it's better clemson would score 58 notre dame scores 66 in those three notre dame for the whole season 231 uh, with clark lee so based on the numbers based off the information on a team that went nine and one losing to georgia by a by a field goal in at last second field goal in the sugar bowl right and and georgia is a really good team with way better talent cincinnati did a very very good job and marcus freeman and his players showed grit toughness and determination and sound sound stats for the season their strength of schedule wasn't very good so that's the one uh question mark here i would say but you look at the score you look at the output of cincinnati look at the numbers look at the data the data is saying marcus freeman is the hottest defensive coordinator that is out there that is available after him you would maybe start talking about kurt maddox over at san diego state or at coastal carolina chad stags but he's only been there two seasons and coastal carolina is kind of, that's that's pretty bandwagony therefore getting marcus freeman was definitely the best possible hire Notre Dame could have gotten out of all these big name schools. So to the Notre Dame staff, Captain Jack Swarbuck, you guys did a fantastic job of uh, recruiting, quote unquote, this coach. Um, I don't think you did it at a high school and took pictures illegally. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not going to talk about Notre Dame and that that BS. But anyway, uh, that great, great hire. Uh, I can't can't think of anyone better that we could go get with the departure of Clark Lee. So welcome, Coach Freeman. So let's change gears here over to quarterback. Quarterback, always kind of the point of contention among Notre Dame fans, can definitely be a make or break factor. Uh, I remember when I was a student and Jimmy Clausen was our quarterback, there were moments where I was just like, man, this guy is amazing. And then other moments where I'm like, what the hell is he doing? Um, I think if Jimmy Clausen had a better defense on the other side of the ball. I think the 2008-2009 seasons would have been better with the amount of receivers he had with him. But without putting too much on the quarterback, it is a very, very important playmaker opportunity for the offense, for the team. I mean, can you imagine Alabama without Mac Jones? Like swap Mac Jones and Ian Book, Alabama versus Notre Dame. And then what happens, right? It's no, it's no question. Uh, you need a good quarterback and you need someone who can throw about 30 touchdowns a year at least to have a shot at winning one of these big games. But Ian Book, we wish him well. We wish him well in his Notre, in his NFL draft prospects. And now this creates a, literally a vacuum at quarterback and there is going to be a competition. Now, when you hear notre dame quarterback competition under kelly uh, i have here in my notes a sad frowny face I, I don't think highly of this like remember when it was the whole golson kaiser malik zaire thing and then it was zaire and kaiser and then it was like wimbush and book and 
like Kelly just kind of goes back and forth. It's like, just pick a guy, man. Just pick someone, right? And stick to it. Oh, and then let's not forget Reese and Chris and, uh, oh, geez, like vomit, puke. But anyway, uh, still in the stable right now, we have returning players on the team, Brendan Clark and Drew Pine. Now, neither of these guys have really seen much of the field. Uh, Brennan Clark has one touchdown on his uh, belt, and that's a pass to Braden Lindsay in the game versus New Mexico. So, I mean, hey, that sounds cool, but New Mexico was terrible that year. I think we won 62-0 to zero or something, so um, not good. Um, but he had a knee injury last season, and um, but he has a really good arm. So we'll see what's to come from Mr. Brennan Clark. And Drew Pine, you know, we really haven't seen much from him, so... Uh, he's, I think, a question mark as far as the field. Now, Notre Dame has been very successful of getting a grad transfer, Jack Cohen from Wisconsin. He will be a fifth-year grad transfer, and he has about 18 starts under his belt. Um, His numbers are not very impressive, but he comes from Wisconsin. He comes from a Big Ten school, a notable school, that in 2019 went to a big 10 championship lost unfortunately and then also went to a rose bowl lost there too and that rose bowl game to oregon was actually a close game if you recall so um but in 2019 he had a 70 percent completion percentage that's really good he threw for uh 2700 yards 18 touchdowns so and that's at wisconsin right a team that is more of a run heavy kind of uh, program with the exception of this year, but in general, uh, 18 touchdowns for that school, pretty darn good. So he brings a lot of experience and I think some, uh, a, a fresh face to the Notre Dame, uh, program. So it'll be interesting to see how he gels and, and what happens in the spring and the summer as he is evaluated by Reese and by Kelly, but let us not forget the freshmen coming in. We've got Tyler Buckner and Ron Paulus III. Now, Ron Paulus III is a three-star recruit, clearly uh, son of Coach Ron Paulus. Or yeah, no, no, he's not a coach. Ron Paulus is like a like a PR director for Notre Dame football. But anyway, Ron Paulus uh, uh, legacy here, so he's in. Um, I I really don't see a whole lot with this guy. I kind of see him more like a Nate Montana kind of guy, kind of like uh, Montgomery Van Gorder. Um, I think he's going to be there. He'll probably be uh, end up part of the Red Army, but who knows? I don't want to uh, count any chickens yet. He may actually excel. So, um, you know, if, if, if Notre Dame actually finally wakes up and put names on the back of the jersey, could you imagine Paulus with th- the number three, but not in the number, but Roman numerals three? Uh, Paulus three on, on the back of his Jersey, that would look so sick. So I would buy that Jersey. Um, but anyway, we'll give him some credit and, uh, allow to see if, uh, he germinates into something, uh, of excellence, but Tyler Buckner, uh, very good recruit, four-star recruit out of San Diego. He's going to be an early enrollee, uh, coming in February when classes start, um, he's actually not going to play his senior year. He's finished high school early. and But in 2019, he threw for 4,474 yards and 53 touchdowns with only six interceptions. I don't even know what the touchdown to interception ratio is there, like nine or something, uh, just shy of nine. And But he also has – he's got some speed. He's got some uh, – j- uh, j- 
hopefully some uh, joystick moves here. But, and he rushed for 1,600 yards and 28 touchdowns. So um, talk about, you know, tricking your Nintendo 64 NFL quarterback club there with your quarterback, right? Um, but Grant, that is against weaker competition, but don't don't forget that Jimmy Clausen was criticized as playing, quote, weak competition when he came in. Grant, Jimmy Clausen was a five-star, but Jimmy Clausen went to Notre Dame, and he had that moxie, and he was able to excel. So uh, if you can't tell, I like Jimmy Clausen when I was there. You know, sue me. But uh, Tyler Buckner, I think, brings some raw talent to the quarterback position that – uh, Notre Dame really hasn't seen, I don't think, until the likes of someone like Deshaun Kaiser, Everett Golson, Jimmy Clausen. So um, I think if if I'm looking in the crystal ball here, Tyler Buckner and Jack Cohen from Wisconsin, now at Notre Dame, uh, these two guys are going to be competing for the starting job. One other note about Tyler Buckner as far as his image out there in the recruiting realm he was also uh, able to receive offers from Oregon, Stanford, USC, and Alabama. So clearly those four schools, you know, not crappy places at all. They are, well, okay, USC is crappy, but uh, I'm glad you didn't go there. Tyler Buckner, welcome to Notre Dame. And I think you and Jack Cohen, it will be interesting to see how you guys navigate Kelly and uh, which one of you can grasp the offense better? Kelly historically has not played freshman, uh, true freshman. I think Chris Tyree is one of the few that has actually broken that mold. Maybe Kelly's onto something new, so maybe that's good, or maybe not. History says otherwise. But usually Kelly is more like who, who's more comfortable with running the offense. But regardless of, of where they go, one thing that's nice is – Notre Dame tends to do well when they have a fresh and new quarterback. 2012, Everett Golson, Notre Dame goes 12-0. 2015, Deshaun Kaiser, he comes in fresh when Malik Zaire breaks his leg. And we have the 2015 season, which was a very, very good season relatively. 2018, Ian Book is put in there, and we go to the, the playoffs. And 2021... I'll just leave that silence out there and you know, we'll see what happens. It, it, it's going to be exciting. It's definitely going to be the talk of the summer. Um, and I'll, we'll definitely revisit this when I come back uh, in the spring and the summer. Uh, it'll make the spring game that much more exciting. All right. Now I'm, now I'm going to get into the red meat here of this podcast. Last week. No, it wasn't last week. It was like two weeks ago. Last podcast. I made the bold hot take that Notre Dame and Kelly needed to fire Tommy Reese. Go back to last week's episode where I talk about how our passing offense was severely lacking. Ian Book was not showing definitive progression and improvement year after year after year. And we went from having a very productive offense on the surface to something that was clearly lacking and definitely an Achilles heel as to why our our offense kept sputtering in the red zone and why we couldn't score because we did not have a balanced offensive attack. So I wanted to look at Notre Dame two ways. One, how is Reese doing versus other college football teams? And then also, how is Reese perform on offense relative to other 
Brian Kelly offensive coordinators and how does that offense look to other Notre Dame offenses? And I won't lie, the results surprised me and are kind of contradictory. But let's get into it. 2020 offensive coordinator search. So I went through, did the same kind of analysis that I did with the Marcus Freeman thing, but kind of in the negative uh, lens here, looking at, all right, of these good teams, anyone from Texas and Alabama and BYU to Liberty, Ohio State, Texas A&M, Coastal Carolina, etc. Pretty much almost the same schools. And there's about 15 of them, if you include Notre Dame. And how did Tommy Reese rank relative to all those things first let's go to yards per point yards per point on average number one was not alabama this year of these 15 schools it was texas texas had a yards per point average of 11.13 which is interesting because they just fired their head coach so what does that even mean i'm not really sure but texas i think kind of jumped the gun on that one but tommy reese 13.43. The only school that was worse was Texas A&M, and they won their their BCS game. But schools like Coastal Carolina, Iowa State, Georgia, Liberty, BYU, their yards per point was significantly better than Notre Dame. So the efficiency of the offense was clearly lacking compared to these other schools, and it made me look at some of these other coordinators of who Notre Dame could potentially replace Reese with because he's not showing historical trend. Uh, well, Grant, he's only been there one year, but he's not performing to the level that we know Notre Dame needs to improve on. But then I looked at the raw score. Raw score to kind of figure out, okay, if we fired Reese, who could we go get? Obviously, Steve Sarkeesian is at the top. Alabama had the best offense. They got a score of 118. Keep in mind, the national champion averages... 258 so they're far far and above and away the, one of the best teams with the best strength of schedule out of all all of these teams i looked at but the next best school was north carolina ironically a team that we beat uh soundly their offensive coordinator was phil longo and north carolina their offense scored 164 now they had some pretty good running backs and they have a really good quarterback as well so those guys are going to be gone and it's really interesting to see where north carolina goes next year now i couldn't figure this out on the internet and i didn't search very long but is phil longo related to former notre dame strength and conditioning coach paul longo i don't know is that a coincidence i'm not sure now grant not everyone's last name is the same as mine my last name is quite unique so if there's someone with my last name i'm not going to tell you all this but uh we might be related but longo i don't know how common it's not smith but it's it or jones or kelly but (laughs) but here we go all right but then after north carolina the next best offensive production team was byu their offensive coordinator was jeff grimes They had a very good offense. Their strength of schedule was trash. It was 105th, but their total score was 170. 
BYU was second in the country in total touchdowns, third in scoring offense, fourth in rushing touchdowns, and fourth in passing touchdowns, and sixth in total offense. Significantly better. All single digits across the board. Notre Dame, let's recap. Under Tommy Reese, 14th in total touchdowns, 30th in scoring offense, fifth in rushing touchdowns, the best stat of all of them, but 52nd in passing touchdowns. It is the worst out of all 15 teams I looked at. But BYU, Jeff Grimes, I was like, hey, here's a guy from a program, not a Power 5 school, it's actually an independent school, but someone who maybe we we, we could recruit. Eh, nope. He was just hired by Baylor to be their offensive coordinator. So good on Baylor. They saw someone that was good, and they picked him up. And I was very disappointed to find that. So that's not good. Next best team after BYU is Coastal Carolina. Now they have this weird dual offensive coordinator thing. It reminds me of some of the uh, dyslexia of Notre Dame in 2016. But uh, Newland Isaac and Willie Korn. Now their overall yards per point, 13.3, and raw score of 202, better than national champion average, but a strength of schedule of 104. That's pretty bandwagon to pick up pick on those guys. We've never heard of Coastal Carolina. They got some I don't know, they do some kind of douchey things to BYU. Um, so I'm not so sure and sold on Coastal Carolina as far as the numbers go, uh, but we'll see how it goes. After that, you got Oklahoma, Clemson, Florida, Texas A&M, right? You just go down the list. Honestly, BYU was probably one of the best guys we could have gotten. Jeff Grimes, uh, he got picked up by Baylor, and that was really kind of disappointing to, to hear. Now, another thought I had is Texas. No, not their offensive coordinator, Mike Urich, because Texas's offensive production was actually worse than Notre Dame. Texas had a score of 416 versus Notre Dame and Tommy Reese's 409. But their head coach, Tom Herman, Tom Herman was the offensive coordinator for Ohio State when Urban Meyer was their head coach. That was surprising to find. He ended up taking the Houston job right after that. And then after Houston, of course, went to Texas. So this is not, I'm not on here to sympathize with Tom Herman at all, but there's a guy with a proven track record of being in the spotlight. And maybe if he wanted to take a step down or take a step back, Notre Dame would have been a real high profile place where he could have done that and then moved on and potentially improved Notre Dame's offense. Who knows? That's kind of a wild card thought I had. I don't know if it carries much weight, but I wanted to throw that out there. Now let's flip over to how Tommy Reese did versus other Notre Dame coordinators. Going through the same stats, same criteria, total touchdowns, scoring offense, rushing touchdowns, passing touchdowns, etc., etc., etc. First, let's look at the bad. Some of the bad stats this year that jump out at me are the red zone scoring. The red zone touchdowns were absolutely terrible. They weren't the worst, but red zone touchdowns were fourth worst. Notre Dame ranked 84th in the country. 2012 offense under Chuck Martin was actually the worst in red zone touchdowns. Then 2013, then 2010 under Charlie Molnar, then Reese. The best was last year under Chip Long. Next, red zone scoring overall. So this includes field goals. Under Tommy Reese, 
This was the worst Notre Dame has ever performed at all in the red zone. Notre Dame ranked 102nd in the country. Next is a tie between 2015, the Mike Sanford experiment, and the 2011 Charlie Molnar team. That's the team that lost to South Florida at home. So those are not good things that, that make me think, oh, we should keep Reese and, and all these other things. However, if I think back to what my MO is, hashtag RTDB, run the damn ball, things look a lot different. Time of possession. Under Reese, this is the best. Notre Dame ranked seventh in the country in time of possession. We ran the ball 58% of the time. It's not the best, but it's the second best right behind Chip Long of 2017. And that recall, that was the year we had Josh Adams. All right. That year, we ran the ball 61% of the time. This year, 58% of the time running the ball. Rushing touchdowns. Very, very important category. Under Tommy Reese, we were fifth in the country in rushing touchdowns. Scoring offense, another important category. We were 30th in the country. That is the third best out of all Notre Dame offensive coordinators under Brian Kelly. Both of the other two were behind Chip Long in 2017 and 2019. And total touchdowns, the most important stat of all, Tommy Reese was best out of every single offensive coordinator Notre Dame has had under Kelly. 14th in the country. Next closest was Chip Long last year with 18th in the country. Now, yards per point is not the sexiest, but it is third out of all of these guys. So what am I getting to? Though Notre Dame had a strength of schedule of 51st, the raw score of adding up all the categories and their ranking relative to all their teams in college football, Tommy Reese was the best offensive coordinator Notre Dame has had under Brian Kelly. I was shocked to find that out. I have no idea. What do we make of this? Tommy Reese is not producing an offense that can throw touchdowns. Yet, on paper, compared to other schools in college football, he should be replaced. Get BYU. Get their guy. Get someone from Texas. Get Coastal Carolina, even. Give me something. But then when you compare him to other Notre Dame coordinators, he's the best. And then if you look at rushing in a vacuum, something that I think is still very important and something you have to have in order to win titles, he has done very well. He has a very rushing offensive focus. I like the way the offense actually looks. I like that they're putting motion. I like some of the formations. Is it just a receiver situation? Is it a a quarterback to receiver relationship thing? I really don't know. What do we make of this? Johnny, what can you make out of this? This? Well, I could make a cap or a brooch or pterodactyl. um. What do we make of this? I really don't know. It's out there in left field. If I come out of the spreadsheet, come away from the numbers, and just think of this rationally and logically, this was the first full season Reese has had to be the coordinator. Knowing Notre Dame, that they are not uh, a shoot from the hip. They kind of analyze everything. We're going to, you know, look at all the data and we're going to pour ourselves a cappuccino and we're going to do a statistical analysis and 
da 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 Notre Dame likes to take their time as the way the Catholic Church likes to take their time, and, you know, that's fine. Logically, is Notre Dame really going to fire Reese after one year? Honestly, ask yourself that question. No. No, of course they're not going to do that. And there were first in rushing touchdowns among all other coordinators that Notre Dame's had. And best of all, these are young running backs. Chris Tyree, Kyron Williams. These guys are coming back, have at least one, two more years with them, right? We've got fresh quarterbacks coming in. Reese is not going anywhere. And also the BYU guy is not available. There's no way. Reese is here to stay, and and clearly if he was going to be fired, Kelly would have fired him already, right? Because it's February, basically. So Reese is here to stay, and quite frankly, I am okay with this. I I will step down from my uh, entitled platform I was before. I'm not going to say I'm wrong, because he now needs to prove himself. He's proved... Let me put it this way. Reese has proved himself to be the best coordinator with what he has, with one year of experience, with a with the worst strength of schedule of all these other teams that Brian Kelly's had. All right. 51st. The next worst strength of schedule Kelly's had was 38th, and that was in 2016, which is ironic because we went four and eight. But regardless, Tommy Reese, he gets, I think, one more year with uh, a little bit of fire under his chair here, right? It's smoldering. It's a little, it's a little smoky, a little warm here, right? We're going to see what Reese can do in one more year. I'm really anxious, though, about his development of a quarterback. But the best news is he doesn't really need to develop anyone. He's either going to have a quarterback probably with raw talent, i.e. a freshman, who looks like on paper to be amazing, or someone who really can't develop much more because he's a fifth-year senior, right? Uh, his arm mechanics is pretty much set. So we don't have to worry about Reese develop any quarterbacks next year. We just have to ensure that we get smarter. But we have to score points in the red zone. We have to score more passing touchdowns. Those are two things we must do going into next year. What do we make of this? Reese is staying. Well, that pretty much wraps up this year's uh, podcast. Um, It has been one hell of a ride, everybody, uh, with all of you this season. Thank you for joining me. For those who did find me this year and who are potential regulars to the podcast, people I didn't have to coerce, people who I've met on Twitter, uh, who found me on ND Nation, uh, huge, huge, again, thank you to ND Nation for hosting the podcast to linking me and exposing me out there um i can't believe i've done 25 episodes this season for 2020 uh, i was certainly not expecting that if someone came to me and said hey how many shows are you going to do this year i probably would have said maybe 15 and i did 25 so the toast this week i've saved this to the end the toast is going to go out to the listeners my listeners of the podcast People who have been with me for the beginning, people who have just found me uh, towards the end of the season, thank you to all of you. The podcast is not going to go away. Uh, Wife, the doc, she has full support of this. Um, I think she's a little happy that she gets me back uh, for a few hours during the week. But yeah, we got some family stuff going on and... 
Um, I will be back next season, um, come hell or high water. Uh, we're probably going to keep the same format unless uh, we win the lottery and we can buy a bunch of equipment and I can you know, do some other, bring more commitment to this, but I don't play the lottery, so there you go. Uh, but the format change, um, it's not exactly what I want it to be yet. Uh, that's to be determined if we want to change that up. Um, might need some more investment. Uh, we're going to look at possible sponsorship. Uh, maybe even explore uh, selling gear, uh, fighting Irish faithful gear. So if you have ideas, let me know. I've got some stuff going on, and I, I, I've got a uh, potential avenue of where we could do that. I will be back for the blue and gold game for sure. Maybe signing day, not quite sure right now, uh, but leaning more towards the blue and gold game just because signing day is just kind of out there and things tend to change. So uh, we're going to go into hibernation. Uh, and instead, I'm going to focus my efforts to going back to the gym, my family, financials, and all that sort of stuff, gardening, uh, reading, catch up on my reading, and Xbox time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's where we're at. So everyone, thank you very much. I will still be on Twitter at faithful underscore Irish. You can find me on Twitter at me, uh, direct message me, whatever you want to do. I will be on there limited and uh, probably be chatting it up with people during the Super Bowl. So um, it's not a Notre Dame game chat, but uh, we might do some Super Bowl chat. Why not? You know, thank you everyone for joining me. It's been a great, great first season. Cannot uh, express uh, how grateful I am to get to this point and to uh, share my voice with all of you. Thank you, everyone. Have a good day. Go Irish!